Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome to episode 147 of Growth Marketing Today. Today, I have Anna Formanov, and we are going to be talking marketing at a startup. Now, marketing at a startup is a challenge because of the limited resources, whether it's time, money, or talent. You have to be very sure every effort, no matter how small, is well planned out and flawlessly executed. To make it even more difficult, the traditional marketing strategies don't always work. So in episode 147, you'll learn first how to prioritize marketing on a startup, second, the best way to create a content engine for a very lean team and still get results. And third, what customer research done right looks like. Before we go on, I want to thank the sponsor for this episode. Now this folks help cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can focus on getting amazing experts that you and I can learn from. This episode of Growth Marketing Today is brought to you by Partner Stacked. It's G2's number one rated partner management platform. Fully support your partner marketing, referral, and reseller channel programs all from a single platform. Take the admin work out of your workflows and focus on partner success and scale. If you're ready to scale revenue through partnerships, visit get.partnerstack.com forward slash GMT to book a free demo today or find the link in the description right now. Well, let's jump into my chat with Anna. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Growth Marketing Today podcast. My name is Ramley John and today I'm excited to have Anna. She helps seed funded early stage startups figure out the right things to grow in terms of marketing. She is also an advisor at Signal Fire, which is a VC firm. Anna, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I am so happy to talk about some of my favorite things with you. So I'm just I'm just thrilled to be here. Well, let's talk about favorite things. And one of the things I like to do is just ask non-marketing related first for people just to get to know you. You said that you love Thailand. I've never been, which is surprising because I'm from Philippines, <laughs> just right next door. Uh, I, and that is one of my goals with Joanna, my wife, is to go there. I, I mean, w- what's your favorite part about Thailand? Because you said it, it was your number one. Yeah, that was one of my favorite trips. I, I think I've had like a couple favorites, and that was definitely one of my favorites. Um, we went on our honeymoon to uh, Cambodia and Thailand back to back. And so I super love Thailand. Um, Bangkok was just like a blur so much going on, right? Great city, great food. And then we went to some of the islands, um, Phuket and PP. And then we also, my favorite was actually Krabi. So Krabi was like more of the nature and there was like a trail to get to our, the place we were staying at. Um, and the trail from Krabby Town to where we were staying had monkeys all along that trail. So wow, you had to be careful uh, <laughs> because if you had any food with you, like they might come up to you. So it was just so unique, just a unique experience that stands out in my head. Like, be careful. There are monkeys. We have to go through this trail, like climb up this hill to get to where we're staying deep in nature. It's just lovely. Well, well, John and I will protect our food. <laughs> we don't want to get attacked by monkeys. For Are sure. you planning to go? Hopefully when the lock like that, we were going to do an Asia trip, Vietnam, Thailand, Philippines. Uh, so we were planning last year, but obviously 
a plan got scratched. <laughs> but that is that is on on the docket for sure when things open up. So I'll probably awesome. reach out for tips. And, oh uh, yeah, yeah. Ideas. Well, thank you for sharing that. Right, let's jump in to talk about marketing. Now you help early stage uh, startups figure out um, their marketing. Like where resources are limited, like they don't have a ton of time. Uh, they, I'm sure they have runway that is maybe a few months or if they've raised some money, like that's not, it's not a like seed stage. <laughs> you don't have a lot, right? Like I'm curious, obviously prioritization is very, very important. Where do you start? Like early stage startup comes to you, Anna, help us. Like where, yeah. where do you, first where do you I ask them, do you have the budget? Here's how much <laughs> it costs to work yeah. with me. No, but like all jokes aside. So right. I work with early stage startups and for the most part, they're seed funded and series a funded. Um, and you could actually be a series a or series B startup and like your marketing foundation could actually be all over the place and like mm. almost non-existent. You could be a seed company or pre-seed startup and your marketing is like really spot on and you're moving in the right direction. So I've kind of seen uh, different things, right. Depending on uh, what startup I'm talking to. And um, I think one of the biggest challenges when you're a lean startup with a lean team is trying to figure out like, what are you supposed to actually do? Most people are like, okay, we know we need to be on social media. We know we need a website. We know we need to do email marketing. We know we need to um, uh, have personas, but like, how do we put it all together? And we can't do everything hundred percent. So what should we prioritize? So that's where I come in and I help. And I kind of, I like to say that I come in to clean up the house. Um, and I'm going to reference the house a little bit here because that's like the marketing foundation is the house. And, um, a lot of the time for early stage startups, the house is messy. So you can't start screaming and like creating awareness and letting people know that you have this amazing house if it's messy inside, right? So building the foundation is first, the first thing that I look for. And, um, and so it's basically like what you would think, like, what's your why? What's your vision? What's your mission? What are you building? What problem are you solving? Who are you solving it for? How are you getting that done? Um, like, what's the value you're bringing for people? What are the, uh, and then second, secondary is like, what are the features you're building? So that they actually see mm. that value. And then what's the result that you're bringing for, for the person that you're, you're solving the problem for? Voice of the customer research, right? Creating these buyer personas that are usable. Because what I find a lot of the time is like, there's some information about people that um, it's, it looks like, yeah, that, that seems like it fits into like a, what we would think of as a buyer persona, but it's not actually helpful because I can't like imagine what this person is like, what they care about, um, and what their goals are, what their challenges are, like all that stuff. That's really deeper level. That's the stuff that's going to be helpful for all the other marketing, uh, campaigns you run strategy, you build. So I look for that. Also part of the foundation, part of like having a clean house is like understanding your competition. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes competition is status quo. 
that's also like one of the big ones to, to, to have on the list, right? Like it's really hard for uh, whoever your buyer is, like if they're used to doing things a certain way and they don't have such a big pain point, it's really hard to change their mind. So making sure that you understand that status quo could be it. Um, your brand design guidelines, that's also part of the foundation. Like what's your personality? Why did you decide to that you're going to like be like that, right? Is that going to connect you to the folks that you think is your target audience that should be buying your product? So thinking through all that stuff and then also like a like a, a very simple like marketing plan, I would say that's also part of the foundation, although I would prioritize all the other stuff, like of the marketing foundation stuff that I just mentioned before you even put together a plan. So that's just the beginning. We're just scratching the surface. That's the foundation. Did you want to ask something? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm. There's so much. Yeah, you're right. For early stage start, startups, they have to like build while the plane is flying, and the foundation, like the wings. <laughs> and and let's, let's go to the house analogy. You're building the walls, and the foundation is not set. <laughs> you have the roof up, but it's bare bones. Can you can you share uh, a company and you don't have to name the the company itself, but like I'm sure there's like a ton of things you you just mentioned a ton of things. You, voice of customer research, uh, you you talked about competitive analysis, uh, you looked at like um, can you describe like a a, a a company that you work with where like you came in and it's like this is where we should start and what were kind of some of the results that that happened as a result of you first laying down that foundation because i think for a lot of people listening especially if you're a founder uh they when they when they hear foundation they're like uh, that we don't have time for that stuff <laughs> let's just build right and, and you're saying hey if you don't get the foundation right uh, the walls are going to crumble, right? Going back to house analogy. So do you have a, a story that you can share around a company that you, you, you fixed, you helped fix their foundation and you kind of set them up for success? Yeah, there's, there are two that I'm working with right now. And I typically work with B2B startups, um, but I also really like to stay close to B2C because I honestly like have a lot of fun there and I, and they're doing like really fun things and you, and you end up being really close to the, the consumer, the user. It's just, yeah, I just can't let that part go. Right. So for, for both of these companies, um, I'm helping to them to build that foundation. And, for the first one, like they didn't, they, they kind of, they, they were selling, like they, they have customers already. They were like feeling it out, figuring stuff out. Um, but they they didn't actually have like something to look at, like, oh yes, this is the persona. So it's kind of like they talk about it, they get it, they know who they're for, they look for that, but it's not actually written down. And there weren't any conversations like, sit down with someone and ask them the specific questions. So you can write down exactly like goals and challenges and what they do on a day-to-day -day basis and what they, um, what they care about and where do they hang out, right? That a lot of that stuff is so fundamental before you start and running any marketing campaigns. So that's for one company. And, and so now we're getting gearing up now that we know a lot more about their buyer and, and the persona and um, what they 
care about, we can start talking about what's the content strategy? What, um, what channels are we going to put into our, our one page marketing plan? So that conversation just like it's aligned now, it makes a lot of sense. And for the other company, they already did so much research, but when I was digging through the research, um, I still did not have a good grasp there are some questions that were not answered. So I, I felt the discomfort and um, we're doing another, just a quick quantitative, it's a B2C company, so quantitative study uh, to really get to the, the, the heart of like, who is this person? What do they care about? What are their goals related to the industry that we're in with like the product that we're selling? Um, until I get those specific questions answered and have like that, the, the feeling that I get who this person is, I do not recommend doing anything related to um, like, just get out there, let people know, let people use your product. And, and it's just, it, I get that discomfort. So those are a couple examples. Thank you. Thank you for sharing those. I'm, I'm going to dig into a few, few of the foundational stuff you talked about. Uh, you talked about content, you talked about brand and competitive analysis. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, first of all, um, let's talk about competitive analysis. <laughs> you look at competitors that they have, what particularly are you looking for? Because uh, there's just two, there's two camps to this. The one camp is ignore your competitors, you'll be fine. And then the other side, which, uh, you know, I've seen some tweets from Hitin Shaw, uh, this, this marketer in, in based out of San Francisco, he's like, uh, you need to you need to consider your, your competitors still. So I mean, like, uh, I'm sure you're in the camp of like, you know, you, you should do some competitive analysis, but what particularly are you, are you looking at? And how can you turn that into actionable insights? Yeah, so some of the startups that I've worked with, they're, um, they're creating new categories, right? There's like this whole, um, I don't know if you follow him, but like Chris Lockhead on category creation, right? And so it's, you, you do need to take a different approach. If you're creating a new category, there's really nobody there. And that's where you turn, uh, that's when you get innovative and you, you flip things upside down and you like change industries. Right. So that's really exciting. Um, that, that could happen. You might not have competition. A lot of the time, the competition is like what people are used to. Right. So it's a, it's a different approach. Um, when you do have competition, I think you do need to see what they're up to. I think the reason people say stop looking at your competition so much is because like there are there are founders, there are startups that get obsessed with like, oh, what are they doing? Oh, they just had an article on PR web. Well, we need one too. Or like that is where things get a little bit uh wrong, right? You shouldn't be following their every step. Like you should be a few years ahead in terms of like, what is your startup vision? What's the product roadmap? Like, hopefully you're so far ahead. You're not even worried about the competition because they can't possibly, even if they copy that PR web article, they can't possibly copy your like product roadmap or content strategy or like thought leaders that you're connecting to or um, communities that you're building. There's a lot of very difficult stuff that just um, that, that you can't possibly mm. your competition can't possibly copy. So, um, so number one point I want to make is like, 
you should check to see what your competition is up to, especially mm. startups that are further along, maybe they're series C, series D funded. The channels that they've tested, like what's working well for them, maybe like think about that a little bit, know that maybe you want to have that as part of like your bucket list of the, the channels to test, but don't use that to create your own strategy because every startup is different, offering different products with different, uh, you know, target audience hopefully, right? Unless you're offering a commodity, which hopefully you're not. Um, so that, so it's, you do need to look at them. You need to see what's, what's happening there. But the second thing is um, you shouldn't worry like, you know, oh, they're going to steal my secrets. Oh, if I put too much on the website, oh, the messaging or, or, oh, that video about like how our, I think there's too much of startups being nervous about that. I get right. it. They don't, they don't want them to, to um, steal their uh, proprietary information. Uh, but I think that at times it can just be a little bit like you have to figure out what's the right balance. The benefit of being very clear and sharing the information with your target audience is very helpful for them. I think most of the time that outweighs being secretive and, and being nervous that they're going to steal your stuff. Mm. That makes that makes a ton of sense. I love what you talked about. Like, what is your competitive advantage? Like, what what what's what's a defensible advantage that you have? And you, you mentioned community. It could be one of them is brand, which we're going to get into right next, because there are, once again, there's two camps to this. There's the founders who's like, who cares about the brand, <laughs> and there's the other side where you're seeing brand and that's the thing with sounds fluffy right you know brand what the heck is brand but we've seen uh companies that tie their founder stories to their company's brand and they really thrive and it becomes a competitive advantage just because people know the founder stories where do you start with brand like knowing that you know a lot of the <laughs> founders maybe think that it's uh something that they can wait much, much later until they're, they realize it's too late. Yeah. Well, my approach is like, st figure this stuff out early. Even now, like when I work with um, startups, I push them and I say like, well, you need to figure out like, what is your story? What is, if I, if it's not clear, it needs to be clear because I think that knowing that will help everything else. It's like when you have a decision to make about your business or about your marketing or about your product, you have certain like a story or like values or a brand, then you know how to answer that like decision point, right? Because you're doing it because this is the way, this is what you believe in. This is like deep rooted fundamental stuff. That's part of why you created this product in the first place. A lot of the time founders do have a, a story, like they have the passion. That's, that's why I love startups so much. Like you don't really need to sit with someone and spend an hour like digging through, well, why are you working? on this, they usually have a story to tell. They're usually trying to transform like an old stodgy industry or something that's like a problem. And, and that's where the story begins. And I think that's where the brand begins. When I was building my own personal brand, 
like everybody's got their own story, right? I'm unique. You're unique. We all come from different, we have different life experiences and I decided to set out on my own and like start my own business. Um, because I had, you know, prior experiences that led me to, to want to do this. Like I worked with startups. I wanted to start something of my own as well and, uh, and, and help startups with their marketing and growth. So I, I weave that into my story. I have discovery calls where I talk about myself like that. It's a repetitive thing. And I think that's, that's how you build your brand, right? Whenever you're communicating with people, make sure you know your story and people that interview, right? Getting a job, that's also part of it too. Like make sure you know your story because you're unique and that's going to be memorable versus somebody that's just like got bullet points on their resume and that's what they're repeating. I really, really love that. I think you're right. Like when people think about brand, uh, they think about colors. <laughs> I think about, and you're driving this point home is brand is, is stories and people relate to stories. Like they, they, people remember the stories rather, <laughs> rather than the facts often, which is a good point. Like, is there, can you think of a, a company that that's B2B or B2C that you're finding is, is, uh, doing a good job with their, their brand story, like what their brand in, in general that you you can really say, Hey, Take a look at what they're doing because they're actually doing a good job around this. Yeah, I hate to say this because their brand the brand comes up a lot, but it's the first one that comes to mind. And I think um, Patagonia does a really good job with with their brand with their brand story because it's clothing. It's like outerwear, right? It's clothing for camping and for recreational activities like outdoor stuff it's clothes, but like they got to the fundamental, like, why do people buy our stuff? Who are these people? Why did we start this company? Like, it's not just clothes that they're selling, but it's also like the wear and tear of the clothes. And like people wear these clothes for their whole lives, which is, isn't something that a lot of clothing brands can talk about. Like you, you're wearing that specific outdoor you know, camping coat for your entire life. And when it gets holes in it, you patch it up or you pass it down to like your brother or whatever. Um, so I think, and, and that all relates back to what they stand for their brand. It's like high quality clothing and also like longevity of the, the wear, the wear and tear, like our, it goes back to like our lives and how it's messy. There's like wear and tear. Right. So I think that they connect it back to, it's not just, close there's more to it and 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 it also ties back to like the benefit of buying their their clothes so they do a really nice job i i love patagonia as well and they're very vocal about what they stand for because then everybody aligns around you know their belief in climate change and things like that uh is there any and i might be pushing you here but a b2b a b2b brand that you're you're saying you're thinking that is, hey, they're actually doing a great job. I mean, the Patagonia is a great example for B2C, but I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if you have an example for the B2B side. Yes, the one that comes to mind, again, I hate to bring this up because they're always being brought up probably on like different podcasts across the country and globe. But um, Gong, I think does a really nice job they actually, they're acting more and more, I think, like a B2C company. They had a Super Bowl ad 
Like when do B2B companies get on and do an advertisement during the Super Bowl? Like that's, that doesn't happen, but they are, um, they're, they're great with their brand. Like they're having fun. They have a mascot, a a dog, right? They're, um, they're being genuine. They're being real and they're being, they're kind of like, they encompass that sales personality, like salespeople. I I joined a community, um, called Thursday night sales. And there were hundreds of people on that, in that zoom call. It's a really fun community. And, and, um, and I was doing that even though I'm a marketer because it's fun, like that salespeople, they get riled up. They're like really passionate and they're very energetic and very vocal and they have to be right to keep the energy high. So that I think gong, yes, they are, um, at the, at the end of the day, like they're providing a tool that, uh, helps you close deals, right. Understand like where your, your revenue is coming from so that you can close more deals, right. Um, revenue analytics and whatnot, but they don't talk about that as they don't talk about the features as much as they talk about like, um, the problems that sales teams are having, and how they're just as annoyed, right? And they're like really connecting to their target audience in that way. So being very emotional, right? Bring the emotion in, bring that connection in. I think that's a B2B company worth calling out. When we come back in a moment, Anna will share how customer research done right looks like. Before we go on, I want to thank the sponsor for this episode, PartnerStack. A PartnerStack G2's top rated partner management platform is the only partnership platform built for SaaS designed to deliver predictable revenue and accelerate growth for businesses and their partners. Companies like Intercom, Webflow, and Monday.com use PartnerStack to manage and scale their programs, automating partner onboarding, training, payments, and more to empower their partners' success. The past year alone, partners in the PartnerStack network have generated over $100 million in revenue for programs on PartnerStack. Fully support your partner marketing referral and reseller channel programs from a single platform. Now take the admin work out of your workflows and focus on partner success and scale by automating partner onboarding, attribution, engagement, payouts, and compliance. Now tap into the only global B2B partner network supporting over half a million partnerships and counting. If you're ready to scale your revenue to partnerships, visit get.partnerstack.com forward slash GMT to book a demo today or find the link in the description. Well, let's get back to my chat with Anna. We've stayed on brand now. I want to shift gears and talk about content because uh, where do you, where do people think about content? First thing is Anna, write us on blogs. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm wondering, I'm sure it's, where do you start? Where do you start with content? Especially when I think just from experience, whenever a founder approaches uh, about content marketing is they're actually looking for a blog writer. <laughs> So, I mean, so I pass it off to you. Where, where can founders start with content, uh, especially for you know, growing their, their brand, but as well as growing uh, their exposure on, on Google, as well as you know, getting more signups or leads? Yeah. So, 
Um, I want to start with saying like, what is the goal with content? What's the goal with content marketing? And the goal should be to develop this like conversation, whether it's offline or online, you're developing this, developing this ongoing conversation with the right people, right? Um, that eventually leads to purchase. That's your goal with content. It's not like, let's just put stuff out there, see if it resonates with people, get a bunch of likes. Like you really are trying to develop this conversation this relationship with people that eventually leads to purchase. That's the goal. Um, and I think it's really important now for, uh, for companies to get this right, because we, we've just like after the pandemic and things kind of like the dust settles, it, it really does look like a different world. Like people are, People are at home still, right? I don't know what it's going to look like later on when companies open up, but I think a lot of people are going to want to work from home at least part of the time. And at home, you are um, like they're they're spending a lot of time on their phones. They're spending time on in you know on social media in communities. And so, how does your content strategy then? Uh, mimic like how people are consuming content. So it's really important to think about that. And content has like two parts to it. Like you're creating content, right? Um, across the, the journey, like the buyer journey, we sometimes talk about, right? Um, and you're also distributing that content. And so that's like, what channels are you going to focus on to distribute the content? The faster channels is probably those that you're going to pay, pay for, for distribution, right? Paid social ads. Um, but that doesn't always necessarily like give you the highest ROI. Um, so you, you need to really like put those two things together and test it out. Right. Um, and so when you're building your content strategy and you have limited resources, limited marketing budget, limited people, um, you need to have a strategy, like where do you start? Right. And I found that especially for lean teams, you should think about your content engine from a place of like, what is going to be my pillar content. Like pillar content is what we're doing right now. You and I are talking for an hour. Maybe you do this like every week for an hour. You invite an expert to talk about a particular topic. And it's just one hour if you think about it, right? It's not like, oh, I have three blog posts I need to write. That can take five hours. Let's just say if they're like really in depth. This is a one hour conversation, but you've got this pillar content. You've got like already so much you can do with it. So I like to start with a pillar. And then from there, you can use like short video clips, post it over social channels. You can send links to those clips uh, over email. You can even dive deeper. If like you see that something's resonating on social media, you can create blog articles and like dive deeper on a topic. And I love this approach. I use it for my own business. I'm a very lean team. Um, I'm, I'm learning also, I'm learning a lot, right? Like if you do podcast or webinar, you bring a guest on, you ask them questions, you're getting a lot of insights, especially if you're bringing on like prospective buyers or people that are, um, 
in the, in the circle of folks that, that might be interested in your offering, this is like voice of the customer research without you actually knowing that you're doing it or trying to do that. You can ask questions that are, that are very insightful and help you um, like build a better product or communicate better, like improve your messaging. Um, plus it also plays a role of, a role of like, oh, now I have my content um, that I can now distribute. So that is, that's, that's my recommendation is like, start from a place of thinking of like, what, what are the, um, topics that would make sense for me to talk about? Like be very focused, has to tie into like the value you're providing the problem that you're solving. Right. Um, what's the pillar content I'm going to produce webinar podcast, right? That's a really great place to start. And a lot of content now that's working really well is very much like video audio based, not just text. So making sure that you kind of like spread out across and test those different types of content modes and then um, repurposing like that long form content that you created, I think is the best, the best route. I love that you kind of directed a funnel to it. Like, it's not just like, Hey, let's make some content. <laughs> it's like, let's think about a pillar that will drive people to that, that pillar. And really you also thought about distribution. I think, uh, is this what you find often where content, content, uh, markers, they often or founders, they create content and they forget about the other half of it, which I find is more important is it's the distribution side of content. Cause like you can put out content and it'll be crickets. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned a few distribution to it, uh, the distribution channels for, for content. Like are there other ones that you can think of where, you know, that you've found like it's working well, like, uh, in terms of like con distribution, distributing content. Yeah. I think it honestly just depends, um, where your target audience is. It will work if you focus on the one or two channels where your target audience lives and you make sure that your message is easy to understand and resonates with them. It will work. This also reminds me of a LinkedIn post somebody put up. Um, like if you had to choose between, I don't know if you saw it, but it was like a conversation on LinkedIn. If you had to choose between amazing uh, content and poor distribution or poor content and amazing distribution, what would you pick? And you had to like pick one or the other. And I found this to be really interesting because what most people said I get it. Like I come from that same boat. You want, you never want to put out mediocre content. It wasn't poor. It was mediocre. So I'll correct that mediocre content, um, with, with amazing distribution and amazing content with mediocre distribution. So most people said amazing content with mediocre distribution. And I went on there and I said, I disagree, even though I'm a marketer and I love high quality content. It was hard for me to actually say that. But the reason I say that is because I work with early stage startups, you know, seed funded series A. And if you're spending your time creating amazing co content, that takes time. That takes time. You have limited resources and you're just like in love with it, right? It's like your baby and you've spent so much time on it and it's amazing. And then it's mediocre distribution. That's not helpful. Like, 
So your mom knows about it and your friends and your baby brother, right? And so it it really needs to, you, you need to think about like, it, I think it really matters. If you're an early stage startup, getting your content, even though it's going to be mediocre, um, because it takes a while to like figure out this engine, how to make it great, like test some things, right? Figure out, figure out what your audience wants. Mediocre content is going to be good and amazing distribution is going to be, is going to be what you need because that's what, that's what you want. You want to understand like where to distribute and get people to like know that you exist, like capture people's attention. Right. And then nurture that relationship and make sure that they like that, that, that their relationship grows and then ultimately leads to purchase. I want to start wrapping up and we've talked a lot of, a lot of things. We talked about brand, we talked about content, we talked about competitive analysis for uh, marketing for early stage startups. If you can give one or two pieces of advice to, um, to a founder or a marketer who's in a startup right now, and it could be anything that we talked about so far or anything that we haven't talked about yet, what kind of advice, uh, what, what advice would you give to those who are in that situation uh, right now in terms of in marketing? My biggest advice ties to the biggest challenge that I see, which is, um, which is really under, like understanding who you're for and what problem you're solving and like being super clear on that. Um from the beginning. And that's, that's marketing. Like you could call it marketing. You can call, call it business strategy. I would call it marketing though. Like those are consumer insights and they are the foundation and this needs to be figured out. Of course, like there are startups out there and I had, um, one on my show, uh, on my podcast called kite They've raised, I think they, they've raised series A or series B funding. And he, he came on and he said like, you know what? We, we kind of like glossed over and like put it to the side, thinking about brand, thinking about story. And we just like hit on those paid ads and, and that carried us and that caused the growth. And now we're getting funding. And like, he was very clear about that. And then other startups look at that and they're like, look, he did that. He did it that way and it worked. They did it that way and it worked. And I'm here to tell you that like, that is an outlier. That does not happen (laughs) for most startups. And it's extremely, my advice is just to get like really clear on what's your story. Who are you for? What problem you're solving? Like write this all down, get the team around this and make sure that everyone's in alignment and agreement and like, go talk to people. If you're B2C, like you got to have the, the survey, the quantitative survey along with some qualitative conversations and B2B absolutely must have with the customer research conversations. It is critical for everything else to build that foundation. I love it. We're going back to the foundation of the house. It's really is, is something that more people, especially in the early stage, uh, need to think about. And going back to what I said, if you don't have a foundation, your boss will come crashing down. <laughs> Just to wrap up, 
Just to wrap up now, where can people find out more about you, Anna? Uh, are you on Twitter or LinkedIn? This is your call to action for... for- yeah, you know, I just try to do what I uh-huh. give advice to do for early stage startups. I'm just focused on LinkedIn. I'm not spreading myself thin across social media. You can find me on LinkedIn most days. And uh, my website is firmanovmarketing.com. Thank you so much for your time, Anna. I really do appreciate it. Ooh, and also I forgot to mention my oh, podcast yeah. is called Mo- Modern Startup Marketing. That's another important For sure. and <laughs> thing yeah, to I'm mention. On that, I'm on that show as well. So people go go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, <laughs> go check out uh, Modern Marketing. What's that? Modern Startup Marketing. Modern, modern Startup, startup marketing. marketing. Yep. And by Anna. Thank you so much, Anna. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ramley. It was so fun talking to you today. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in all the way until the end. I learned a lot from Anna and sharing about how to market at a startup. Before we end, I just want to thank the sponsor for this episode. Now, this folks help cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can focus on getting amazing experts that you and I can learn from. This episode of Growth Marketing Today is brought to you by Partner Stacked. It's G2's number one rated partner management platform. Fully support your partner marketing, referral, and reseller channel programs all from a single platform. Take the admin work out of your workflows and focus on partner success and scale. If you're ready to scale revenue to partnerships, visit get.partnerstack.com forward slash GMT to book a free demo today or find the link in the description right now. Please also support me. There's three easy ways. First, you can tell a friend about this. Word of mouth is really one of the best ways to podcast grow. Second, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, whether you're on Apple or right now on Android. Leaving a review does make a big impact. Over 70% of my listeners are on Apple and it does get more people to listen in on this podcast show. And third, you can join the Grow Today mailing list where you find out a little bit more about the show and I share a little bit about myself and what's happening in my life. Well, that's it for this episode 147. Until the next one, keep safe and as always, keep on growing. Passion.